open your Bibles uh, to Matthew chapter 6. And um, given our situation that our uh, nation and world is in, I have been kind of preaching uh, towards some of that just to kind of believe that the Word of the Lord can help us. And uh, I think I'm going to preach one more time uh, to kind of encourage you and help you. Come next week, uh, we're going to leave the pandemic behind us and uh, <clears throat> just believe that the Lord is, is going to help us to work uh, and do what He's called us to do. Matthew chapter 6, and I would like to start in verse 25. The Bible says there, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you O ye of little faith, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take, no, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And I want to preach to you. Uh, I believe that, that this probably is where some of us are at um, about the Lord's remedy for worry. And uh, let's just ask the Lord to, to give us just a special touch of his spirit right now uh, while we are here. Our gracious God, we're asking you again to help our minds and spirits, Lord, to be drawn in. I pray, God, that again, Lord, just as this morning, that we felt the touch of your spirit, the power of your word. I'm praying, God, that that same thing would take place tonight, God. Whatever, Lord, way that you choose to work, I'm asking that this word would find, Lord, productive soul. That would, it would find good hearts. That, Lord, that people's lives and hearts would be encouraged, Lord, by what you have to say. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Again, I want to just express to y'all that are still here with us, the music was fantastic, and the Spirit of the Lord was here. I think all of us that are, that are in the building, uh, we, would, we would say that uh, the Lord is, is good uh, to us. 
Um, and again, I, I will say I'm going to preach maybe one more time uh, to sort of kind of put my thoughts, your thoughts, your spirit, uh, I pray at rest. Uh, because we do know that ultimately that the Lord is still in charge uh, of everything that's taking place in our in our world. This portion of scripture that I read to you here tonight is just a small part of a perhaps if you want to uh, characterize it, it's probably the most famous sermon uh, that the Lord preached during his earthly ministry. When you look at the Gospels, <clears throat> there are 16 sermons that are recorded there. Now, obviously, I believe that the Lord uh, preached more than just 16 times, but, but we only have 16 of them that are recorded and that are given to us. And uh, perhaps of these 16, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, and then there's portions of it throughout the book of Mark and also throughout uh, Luke's gospel, uh, and perhaps maybe the other message that might rival uh, the Sermon on the Mount would be the Olivet Discourse that we find in Matthew 24, 25, uh, that we find in Mark 13, and then throughout Luke 21, and and that may be perhaps the, uh, the other message that we think about that was the first message, the Sermon on the Mount, the last that he would preach would be the Olivet Discourse prior to his uh, crucifixion. And yet, whenever you look at, at Matthew chapter 6, if you have your Bibles uh, still open there, notice what uh, Jesus had to say about uh, this matter. He, he said, he said he was speaking about giving, uh, but we also look and we find that the Lord was speaking about prayer. And uh, he starts that in, in verse uh, five, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. And then he talks about going into a closet and being shut in into a private place of prayer. But then in verse nine, he speaks on this fact or this manner. He says, after this manner, therefore pray ye our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so it is that there in uh, Matthew chapter 6 that what does the Lord ask his disciples to pray for? He asked them to pray uh, for the power of that kingdom that uh, will come. And then it culminates perhaps in verse 33 of Matthew 6. And Jesus said these words. I, I'm sure that they are familiar uh, to you, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these other things are going to be added unto you. But before the Lord ended the chapter with that, uh, with with those words, he he uh, began to speak about some forces that would come 
uh, against those people that were seeking the kingdom of God. And I want to point out some of those here uh, to you here tonight. In verses 1 through 18, what was he talking about? He was talking about the hypocrisy there of the, the Pharisees. But really what he was getting at was the fact that uh, there is all of us that we try to uh, groom or cater a certain reputation that we have or human honor. And Jesus was saying that is a competitive force that uh, will come against you as you pursue the kingdom of God. And then he gets to verse 19 and he says that there's another force uh, that will come against you and that other force is the one of wealth and, and Jesus in another place talked about the fact about how that uh, sometimes when we're blessed with prosperity that there can be challenges into getting into the kingdom of God and then the text that I read to you here tonight beginning in verse 25 he talked about that the third uh, false god or third force that would come against us was this matter of security here in this life. Now I just want to make sure that you're aware that whenever you read uh, this passage of scripture it is not encouraging a laziness out of us to say that, that it doesn't matter because when you read the book of Proverbs there is much said about those that are diligent in uh, their work but yet Jesus was saying that there are matters there are false gods that even the greatest of saints and those disciples that want to be part of the kingdom of God, that they can be tempted with those things. We can be tempted with uh, wanting to have a reputation or have some wealth or a place of security. And, and Jesus comes down to this and he said that woven with all of those things, there is a dilemma and that dilemma is this, is that you can begin to worry and there can be a very deadly temptation to us to worry about these particular matters. I, I want to tell you from uh, from personal experience that, that worry will wear you out. I have uh, told people before that one of my chief sins is, is worry. And, and uh, you worry and you fret and you think about things and you somehow at times let your mind get caught up into a place where that uh, you are very absorbed with all of the surroundings and the circumstances that that present themselves to us in uh, our lives. And, and somehow we have to realize that as children of God, especially uh, as spirit-filled children of God, that we must give ourselves to a place where that we don't fall into that self-destructive trap to worry about things that are beyond our control. And I, again, just like I mentioned to you here uh, this morning, that six months ago, if somebody would have told us that we would be facing this pandemic uh, that we are facing right now that uh, the, the fact is is that we would have said there, there's no way that that could happen but here we are we find ourselves at a place and I, I have to confess to you that there have been first of all concerns about uh, about about our families concerns about my children concerns about uh, my grandchildren how is it going to affect them how is it going to affect my parents how 
Is it going to affect my father-in-law? Our elders in the church, how are they going uh, to react to this threat that seemingly has come uh, upon us? And here is what you have to realize about worry, and that's this, is that worry causes us to have an unguarded mind and an unguarded spirit. And whenever we begin to worry that there are no personal parameters that are still in our minds and in our spirits that is brought in to our lives. And, and yet the fact is, is that I have to say that none of my worrying has really ever changed anything in the situations that I have faced in life. And I'm sure that you would confess that very same thing in your life, that worrying and, and sometimes fretting about these particular things that uh, that, that it does not change the circumstances because in verse 27, here is what Jesus had to say. He said, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? What, what does worrying do? What we, we find out that as we worry, and in fact, I uh, wondered at times how in the world could sin be a worry and, and or, or how could worry be characterized as a sin? It has to do with trust and that if we don't trust the Lord completely, we can fall into that trap of worry. And some would dignify worry and they would call it by another name. They would say, well, I'm concerned or I have a burden or I have a cross that I have to bear. But the results are the same and instead of us helping, uh, helping us to live a longer life. You know as well as I know that worry and anxiety is not productive for our uh, physical bodies. The word there, that the Greek word that's translated for take no thought literally means that our minds are being drawn in different directions. It pulls us apart. It, it moves us into a way and, and until man interferes and it is somehow that we have to understand that, that God has everything in his hands and our minds and spirits need not to be pulled apart in worry uh, by what is taking place in our world. And, and I would just also tell you here tonight as well that there are other things that are all uh, seemingly brewing in our lives that if we're not careful, we can give ourselves to worrying about solutions and about how to bring answers to those particular things. And one of the challenges that we face in uh, our modern life is this, is that whenever worry gets involved, it pulls us away from the main priorities of our lives. <coughs> And so it is that I want to point out to you here tonight that this text that we have read from Matthew chapter 6 and 25 all the way down through verse 34, that there are four commandments that are given to us here in these verses. Three of those would say, you would say, well, they have negative connotations to them. But let's walk through this passage here tonight and over the next few minutes. I want to point out uh, some things that I pray would help all of us. Look there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25. The Bible says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink. 
nor yet for your body. What you shall put on is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment. Look down to verse 31. Here's what Jesus says. He says, therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And then skip down to verse 34. He says, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself and sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Jesus was saying in all three of those verses, if you underline uh, in your Bible, there's three common phrases there. Take no thought, verse 25. Take no thought there in 31. Take therefore no thought there in verse 34. Jesus is saying, don't be anxious. Don't allow yourself to fall into the trap where that you are overcome uh, with worry. And if you don't think that worry has a grip on our world, then uh, you you either haven't been paying attention or uh, which may as well be a good thing, perhaps, you know, that we haven't been paying attention uh, to what's going on because I will say that, that if you're paying attention to the media, the constant pounding uh, of what the information that's coming out, it can get you so caught up and, and worried about things. But in Friday's Wall Street Journal, Erica Commissar wrote about one of her patients. She's a physician. But she said that she had, had a patient that was an attorney. And uh, whenever her patient came in to see her, she said that, that the attorney related to her and said that, that my child, my daughter, told me, said, Mom said, I'm glad that the coronavirus is around. And, of course, it surprised uh, this, this attorney. And she said, well, why? And she said, well, because what it's done is it's caused you to get to stay home uh, with me and you, you're not able to work. And, and uh, Miss, Miss uh, Dr. Commissar, I guess, in this article, she writes, she wonders, she said, I wonder if this pandemic has not moved us away at least for the last few weeks, two weeks, 10 days, if it's moved us away from uh, less self-occupation and it has moved us now more toward a connection point that where that it would cause us to assess our priorities and the personal values that we have here in our lives. And again, I want to somehow reiterate, it's a, a common thing with me, and that's this, that the true priorities of our life, first of all, is the kingdom of God and that the priorities that we give ourselves to in life are not things. And so it is that these series of commandments, I'm gonna point them out to you here uh, as we go through. Notice the first commandment is found in verse 25. Jesus said it like this. He said, do not worry about your life your food, your drink, your clothing, and then he gives an answer as to why that we are not to do that because he says it like this. He says your life is more important than what you wear or what you eat. 
And so it is that, that here recently, we had, a little over a year ago, we had a hurricane that came through our uh, area. And it was, it was amazing to me that uh, in some of the places where that there were homes that were literally destroyed, that uh, after all was said and done, there may have been families that may have gotten a few uh, pictures and personal matters out uh, of those places. But by and large, there were a lot of homes that they just moved up with a, a front end loader and they scooped up all of those possessions and dumped them over uh, into a, uh, a dumpster and those things were gone. That let me see that the things that sometimes we feel are important in our lives, that there is gonna come a time when they pass away. And so Jesus was clear. He was saying that, first of all, you should not worry about your life, your food, your drink, and your clothing because your life is more important than food or clothes. The second reason that he gives to us is in verse 26. He said that the Lord cares for the lower creation. What, what does he have reference to? He says there in verse, verse 26, he said the birds of the air, they, they don't plant, they, they don't gather a harvest, uh, they don't put things into barns, and yet your heavenly Father takes care of them. And Jesus asked the question, are you not much more important than what they are. And I, I want to tell you here tonight that all of us, that we are more important than the things of this world if we are children of God. And then the third reason we find in verse 27, he comes along and he says, which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? Jesus was saying, worry doesn't change anything. And yet I spend a lot of time, I have to tell you that one of these days I'm going to be free from that, but there's coming a day uh, that we have to realize that worry does not change uh, anything. And then Jesus moves in to the fourth reason. And... <coughs> He says it like this. He says that, that not only does the Lord care for the birds, but the Lord also cares for the lilies and the grass. They're very short in their life. You know as well as I know that, uh, that by the time that, that the winter gets here, that the grass, uh, that it turns brown and it just kind of wilts away and it goes away into the spring. And yet here is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want to tell you this, that, that the Lord takes care of them consider the lilies of the field they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these and wherefore if the Lord God or if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into an oven shall he not much more clothe you and then he asked that question Oh, ye of little faith, hear me, church, tonight that the Lord is concerned about your state of life. He's concerned about where you're at on March the 22nd, 2020, but he was concerned about you this time last year. He was concerned about you this time five years ago. He will be concerned about you a time a year from now Two years from now, he will be concerned about you whenever we are in eternity. And that's where that I just have to tell you tonight 
Now what we walked in and we began to experience in this church whenever we begin to pray and they begin to sing that, that we felt the presence of the Lord, that there was a touch that came in from another world. You cannot put a monetary value on that because there is peace that is brought to our hearts and to our spirits whenever we are at a place that we give ourselves to worship of God and that our minds and spirits are focused in on him. And so Jesus in those that first commandment, he gives those four reasons as to why we should not worry. But notice with me in verse 31, here is what Jesus says, therefore take no thought saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed? And again, he is reiterating, don't worry about what you're gonna eat, drink, and wear. But he gives another reason. It's almost like that the Lord is speaking to children. He's reiterating, he's saying again, I don't want you to take any thought about this matter. But he gives again another reason. And the fifth reason is this. He said the pagans chase these things because they are godless. Notice in verse 32 what the Bible says. It said, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all of these things. And here is what the Lord is saying. He's saying, I want to tell you something. He said, just like the needs of the Gentiles, just like the needs of the pagans are in this world, that the Lord is going to provide those things for you and that you need not to consume your life trying to chase all of those down. That second commandment is almost a replica of the first one that you find there in Matthew 6 and 25. Now, obviously, there's a need for physical clothing that we have and obviously about what we eat. Uh, but Jesus is telling us, he's saying that there is a greater concern that the Lord has for a child of God. First Peter chapter 3. And verse four speaks to uh, something that I would say here tonight that the Lord is concerned about our nature. First Peter chapter three and verse four, but let it be the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of God of great price. The Lord says, I'm gonna tell you through his word, through the apostle Peter, he's saying, understand this, that there is a great price that the Lord puts on what takes place in my heart and in my spirit. These things are valuable in the sight of God and worry chokes out those things in our hearts where that whenever we come to that place, what does worry do? It fills us up with emotional turmoil and it causes us, as one man said it, that we're borrowing trouble from tomorrow and we're trying to pull tomorrow in to today and the Lord is saying, I want you to understand that I am going to take care of everything that you have and that there is gonna be a ministry and a work of my hand. Paul wrote to the Colossians. He called them to even greater things than what uh, the apostle Peter did. In Colossians chapter three, if you have your Bible, turn with me to Colossians three and look with me to verse seven. 
Colossians chapter three, I'm gonna throw this in here. I'm missing y'all right now. I'm seeing you here invisibly, but I, I certainly miss y'all sitting out here in these chairs. I've got Brother Adam and, and Justin, Alyssa and Lauren and Brother uh, Paul and Sister Regina Miller and, and Brother Matt and Brother Nate and Brother uh, Clay up in the sound booth, but y'all, listen to me. I'm missing y'all. Yeah, I hope as much as, as you're missing me. But uh, here's what the Bible says in Colossians 3 and verse 7. It says, In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them, but now ye also put off all these anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy and filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that you put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ listen at that church Christ is all and in all he is everything about our lives you know that as well as I do that there's times where that you have needed the Lord and you have knelt somewhere in a place of private prayer and all of a sudden the Lord hadn't left you but he just manifested himself to you in a special way but, but look at what else Paul says there in verse 12 he says uh, put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels or emotions of mercy kindness humbleness of mind meekness long suffering forbearing one another and forgiving one another if any man have a quarrel against any even as Christ forgave you so also do ye and above all these things put on charity which is in the bond of perfectness and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful this comes to mind whenever I read this scripture here is that there's times where that, that we do go and shop and, and uh, this may be more for the ladies than it is for the men but you go and you shop and you spend time trying to find that perfect garment that that it has the exact fit and that the colors matches you and yet here is what Paul is saying he's saying listen he said I want you to give some diligence to the things that you put on in your heart and in your spirit that you clothe yourself with in that manner that's what the Lord wants us to clothe ourselves with the, the physical clothing that we have it will take care of its but by and large, 10 years from now, 30 years from now, all of this is going to be gone. Let's look at the third commandment. It's in verse 33. This one, uh, I guess you would say, <coughs> would be positive in its nature. But look at what the Bible says. It says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. 
Here is what he's saying. He's saying all the things the Gentiles pursue, every bit of that, if you pursue the kingdom of God, what they're pursuing in a material world, that those things, you will have your share of those things. They won't rule your life like they've ruled others. I think of Luke 16, whenever Luke writes that story about the rich man and Lazarus and about how that, at that moment where uh, that the rich man died, that everything in his life was literally snatched away from his hands and what he had been working for, it led him to a place where that the Bible says that in being in torment in hell, he lifted up his eyes in torment. And yet the Bible tells us that the man that had nothing, the man that was the beggar, the man that had set out by the gate, the Bible tells us that he was there with that Old Testament Saint Abraham, that he was in that paradise. Hear me, church, tonight. That right now, and I pray that, that when everything is said and done, that, that all of us are safe and the Lord has preserved our health. But just in case he does not, listen to me. We have to pursue things in this world that is going to cause a difference in where eternity is spent for every one of us. Our world, it holds so many wonderful sights for us to look at and for us to see, and yet we live in a fallen world that is marred by sin and the work of the enemy is at large around us he has wrecked this world and so therefore I would just encourage you here tonight that you must be born again you must repent of your sins you must be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ immersed in water and then you must receive the glorious gift of the Holy Ghost because here's what takes place that as you are born again there becomes something insatiable on the inside of your spirit that says I'm hungry for another place I'm hungry for a land that I do not necessarily I am a stranger and an alien down here and the Lord is saying don't let yourself worry about the things that really do not matter Seek first his kingdom. And so I'm going to conclude with this here tonight. I, I'd like to read, I'm going to read a lengthy passage of scripture. And I'm going to read in Revelation chapter 21. And I'm going to start in verse 1. And I'm going to read all the way through Revelation chapter 22 and verse 17. A lengthy passage. But the reason that I want to do that here tonight is to somehow to get you to understand and grasp the fact that there is a sweetness of heaven that sometimes that we miss out on because we are desperate to try to get our hands on everything here in uh, this life. But, but read with me. I'm going to read it out of the ESV here. Here is what the Bible has to say. It said, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. 
He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage and I will be his God and he will be my son. But as for the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, as for the murderers, the sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars, their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur, which is the seventh, which is the second death. And then in verse 9, then came one of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of the seven last plagues and spoke to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain. And he showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, its radiance like a, uh, like a most rare jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with 12 gates and at the gates 12 angels and on the gates of the 12 tribes of the son of Israel were inscribed and on the three on the east three gates and on the north three gates and on the south three gates and on the west three gates and the wall of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the lamb and the one who spoke with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city, it lies four square. Its length, the same as its width. And he measured the city with that rod, 12,000 stadia. Its length and width and height are equal. He also measured the wall, 144 cubits by human measurement, which is also an angel's measurement. And the wall was built of jasper, while the city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the wall of the city were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst and the twelve gates were twelve pearls each of the gates made of a single pearl and the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass and I saw no temple in the city for its temple is the Lord God the Almighty and the Lamb and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of God gives light and its lamp is the Lamb. 
By its light will the nations walk and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it and its gates will never be shut by day and there will be no night there. They will bring into it the glory and the honor of the nations but nothing unclean will ever enter it nor anyone who does what is detestable or false but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then the angel showed me the river of water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city, also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it and his servants will worship him. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun for the Lord God will be their light and they will reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, The words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord said, The God of the spirits of the prophets has sent his angel to show his servants what soon must take place. And behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard him, and saw him, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said, you, you must not do that. I'm a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets. And with these who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said unto me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil and the filthy still be filthy and the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. You remember what we read in Matthew about worrying about your clothes, what you're going to eat, and so forth. Listen to this. He said, Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. Verse 16, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David bright and morning star the spirit and the bride say come and let everyone who hears say come and let the one who is thirsty come let the one who desires to take the water of life without price what's the Lord's remedy for worship or worry the Lord's remedy for worry is Matthew 6 seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and here's what's going to take place the Lord's going to open up the gates of that city. And He's going to welcome us in. Every fear, every bit of the stress, every bit of the pressure, every bit of the pain, everything bad in our lives, 
Everything sin has wrecked. The Lord's going to clothe us in robes. And He's going to open the gates of that city. And He's going to welcome us. And so the Lord's remedy for worry is this. Is be careful how much you're worrying about what's taking place in this world. And give yourself to a higher thought, higher charge. Because when we get to the other side, this mortal body is going to put on immortality. The corruption of our flesh and our spirits. As Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, the corruption's gone. And we're holy and we're clean. Keep your eye on the kingdom, church. Keep your eye on the kingdom of God. I want to pray for you. Our gracious God, again, I feel the presence of the Lord. I feel the authority of your word. I feel, Lord, it's healing hands even on my mind. I feel the calming effect, Lord, of your spirit, Lord. You put away our anxious thoughts. You put away our worry. I pray, Lord, that God let us walk out of this sanctuary, Lord, in confidence. Help us, Lord, to walk out of our homes in confidence all over this city, Lord. All over our county, wherever, Lord, we have gotten into tonight. I pray, Lord, that the Holy Ghost would visit every one of those homes and that you would bring peace, Lord, to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name. I just want to ask you right now, I know it may seem so awkward, but would you just stand up where you're at in your home? chair if you're on the couch would you stand up and just lift your hands to the Lord and let the Lord visit you right now put aside your worry put aside your anxiety the Lord's going to take care of us 